All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. I'm Screwhead Dan. And I'm Screwhead Andrew. And we are here once again to dissect, dismember, and discuss a horror movie. Today's horror movie is going to be the 1998, hey, that's my birth year, oh. uh, movie Pumpkinhead, directed by the legendary Stan Winston, who was the makeup effects designer for so, so many movies, such as Terminator, Jurassic Park, Aliens, and uh, most importantly, Inspector Gadget, starring Matthew Broderick. How dare you not mention Predator? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> You're halfway there with Alien. Good, good job. Good job. <laughs> anyway, so that's what we're going to go into today. Uh, we are two friends who met over in Korea, and we come together to uh, discuss a horror movie of the week. Before we get into that, though, Andrew, how is life? How are things going? Life is going pretty good. Um, I don't know if I told you yet, but did I tell you about the new member of our family that we have? You got another cat, another dog. Uh, even better, even better. Uh, we recently, uh, when I was at work one day, Lindsay told me that the cat brought up a mouse from the basement. Aww. Uh, and it was a baby mouse that was like very intense. The cat just kind of cradled it apparently on its way up. So it just took a baby mouse um, with its like eyes closed and everything and not like, you know, kind of that like wet kind of fur deal going on. So we've been like nursing it back to health and like giving it food and stuff. And like, I know that it's vermin, but we've been trying to, you know, we've been, we've been keeping up with the, uh, hand washing and stuff uh and he like finally is opening his eyes and moving around and he like loves to crawl into your hand and like curl up so like we're, we're probably our goal was to rehabilitate him enough to let him out into the wild um but seeing as winter's coming and mice are like notoriously poor at regulating heat we might keep until over the until the summer or the spring to let him go again uh, okay so uh until then he's living with us uh and we named him monsignor after uh main uh one of the main characters from that show midnight mass and netflix so uh yeah, nice it's, it's, it's it was either life. that or five so no yeah i went with, i wanted five but uh Lindsay said five is too generic that uh, is true i, 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 I disagree with wholeheartedly on that one i disagree with you wholeheartedly <laughs> nobody fucking knows five name nobody knows it uh but yeah so that's uh you know it's, that, that's that's been my exciting life lately cool. uh, how about yourself it, good. Speaking of animal news, uh, I have not adopted another cat at this moment, but now that I'm work from home, I did promise myself I would adopt a second cat. Um, there was a set of strays I was thinking about rehabilitating by my girlfriend's mm. apartments. However, like I went there, I saw one of them, I fed it, uh, their ear was tagged, so I figured, oh, you know, they must be you know, trapped and released, they don't belong to anyone, um, so I was going to capture it and trap it. And then I went back the other day, and I found out that there's another kitten around there, too. And then a slightly older kid I think might be the mom. And I'm just like, ah, shit, I can't just take one of them and leave the other two. And I especially can't take the mom, who was the original one I thought I was going to take. So uh, instead, we're working together to, to kind of trap and release the other two uh, who haven't been tagged just yet. And then we're also trying to rehome the other three, basically. But in the meantime, I've been working with the local shelter to try and figure all that out. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, they're but they're by an office complex. It seems like they're well cared for. Like there's food bowls set out. I see a couple little shelters back in the woods where they're at. They're like right by a parking lot, basically. But there's this little wooded area right behind it. Um, but yes, yeah. 
One of them we named Queso, which was <laughs> such a good name for a second cat, because my current one is named Taco. Taco is best with Queso, not going to lie. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're still figuring all that out, but otherwise, it's been good. Working from home is awesome. For me, at least. I know you disagree. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't love it, but you know what? Not, not, <laughs> not, I go to the office every day now, and I'm really happy. It's great. It's great. Yeah, works for you, man. Anyway, so let's get into uh, Pumpkinhead for today. So Ooh. you were the one who suggested this movie. Why don't you go ahead and introduce it? Well, actually, before we do that, I do want to highlight there are a couple of big things that have happened in the horror community lately. Or like a couple of, uh, uh, so, you know, in addition to Halloween's Kills coming out on Friday, which I, I know neither of you or I have watched yet. Um, but did you see, uh, there's a couple of TV series out, uh, Chucky's TV series started, uh, the episodes started coming out on that, I think it's mm-hmm. on the sci-fi channel and on Amazon, I know what you did last summer is getting a TV series, which is interesting. Mm. Um, admittedly, I read the book of that when I was younger and it wasn't as much of a horror movie as the, uh, horror movies made it to be. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm wondering which way it's going to go. It's going to be kind of the more drama or that, uh, but uh, you know, I think it still counts. Um, and then also on Netflix, Midnight Mass came out, which was very horror-esque. Yes, and just a quick little mini review of that. You fucking loved it, right? Oh god, it was amazing. Yeah, I, I loved it too. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge Mike Flanagan fan. I've, I I really liked Hill House. Bly Manor was pretty good too. Like I think I liked it a lot more than other people because a lot of people didn't like that one, um, but I really did. And Midnight Mass came out too just recently, and that was fantastic. Um, my only complaint is there were just like everyone says, way too many monologues. But oh yeah, well the monologue. Other than that, that last monologue, I, honestly, none of them bothered me except for that la- the last one that uh, the 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 girl was saying that whole thing. Like I was like, this is bad and awkward, and the girl just like sitting there and smiling. Like the other monologues to me felt natural in the sense like I could see them happening or why they're saying them. But this mm-hmm. one, like imagine asking somebody, like, what happens when you die? And they just go on this freaking like ten minute monologue i would like fucking punch her in the face like i'd be like shut the fuck up and like is that happening in her head did she actually say that i couldn't quite tell but it was uh-huh. just it was so weird for her character too because like she she was a main character but she's never like the main character so to have the the series kind of end with this monologue from this character who was kind of like a a slight side character it was just kind of weird to me yeah like, definitely um but i i definitely recommend it. it is a slow burn i will give it that there mm-hmm. were times during the first few episodes i was like oh my god hurry up with it but oh my god the payoff is so good it's well worth going through yeah well and the, and the characters like honestly like i feel like see i'm, I'm not religious at all i'm a you know not not, not don't describe anything but i love well portrayed religious characters and like ones who kind of like show like their faith and like their reasoning why because, like, you know, if I can understand it and I can agree with it, I mean, that's, like, a well-written character. Because, like, you know, I don't believe what they believe in, but I believe in what they're saying based on, like, you know, their ideas or, like, they make a convincing argument. And I thought they did a great job writing, um, I forget what the get Paul? What was that his name? Paul? Pastor Paul? Father Paul. Brother, mm-hmm. yeah, Father Pastor Paul. Paul. Like, I, thought, I, I, thought they, I thought they did a great job writing him. And, like, it made a very interesting character. And, like, and a sympathetic character, too, which I, I thought was yeah. great. Um, it felt like a lot like a Stephen King book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, did you get, like, the Stephen King miniseries vibe to it? Like, I got, like, it felt like a better version of Storm of the Century to me, kind of. Yeah, definitely. I could definitely see that. Like, I wanted to do more of those. Because, actually, I didn't like Bly Manor or uh, House on Haunted Hill. Or the mm-hmm. Haunted, Haunted Hill House. I didn't, not that I didn't like them, I just didn't get into them, I, I suppose. More accurate way of saying it. But I was hooked from episode one and loved every single bit of it with this guy. Great. Great, great, great. All right, cool. Oh. Anyway, uh, Pumpkinhead, you want to get into that one? <laughs> yeah, Pumpkinhead, yeah. So, uh... Uh, yeah, so I, I suggest this movie. I love this movie. Um, I had seen it a few times. Um, 
you know, obviously one of the main character is, uh, you know, uh, Lance Hendrickson of Aliens and Alien 3 and Elmer's Predator and Alien the Video Game fame. So, you know, <laughs> great, great character, great actor. And he's in, like, every freaking horror movie ever made. Um, but, like, I, I think it's, like, a perfect kind of throwback Halloween movie. It's a very light horror movie. Um, I think I ever saw it, like, maybe back in high school. Like, you know, kind of that era where you heard about a horror movie and just kind of threw it on and watched it. I, I miss those days of just, like sitting back and throwing on those movies. Um, but actually, a, a buddy of mine also like really likes it. Uh, Brooke, I think you know you know him from the Discord. Uh, mm-hmm. He was like, you guys should definitely do that someday. So when, when you asked like what we should do, I was like, oh, great Halloween movie. It's called Pumpkinhead. Yeah, Perfect topical. Chance. Yeah. That'll work. Uh, yeah, no, I actually uh, have never seen this movie. I've definitely heard about it. I think my first exposure to it was when I was going on some sort of YouTube binge way back in college, and uh, there was a Let's Play of Pumpkinhead 2 Bloodwind Revenge, the video game, which oh. by all accounts seems like an awful, awful, awful video game. Um, but yeah, from what I understand and from what I heard, this was a very much public reception is a middle-of-the-road Halloween movie, um, the biggest claim to fame was, you know, Lance Hendrickson, who plays basically our main character in this movie, and then also the director, uh, which will reintroduce again Stan Winston, who did so, so many creature special effects, and this was his directorial debut, um, and he really wanted to come out and design this creature and push it forward. So, the original came out in 1998. Um, It did spawn three sequels, one of which was an official sequel. The other two were direct-to-video sci-fi original movies. So, that can attest to the quality right there. And, you know, it's one of those franchises that has kind of bubbled up every now and then, where, for the longest time, like Chucky, oh, you know, they're making a TV show where they're getting it a little bit bigger, blah, 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 and then that's that. Um, But, yeah, that's... uh, that's my perception with Pumpkinhead. Actually, it's interesting that you mentioned the franchise because isn't it like I, I know I take it you haven't seen the other movies, um, but no. to me, Pumpkinhead is one of those weird franchises where like I feel like Pumpkinhead is like he's almost a tentpole that never existed in the sense that I feel like a lot of people in the horror community know Pumpkinhead and he he is an icon in himself. But yeah, his sequels are never great. I think I only ever saw the second one. I think I tried watching. Uh, I tried. I rented one of them, like uh, Blood Wings, I think. No, no Bowden's the second one. I, I forget. I rented one of them from Blockbuster. I think one of the, one of the main TV ones, and that was... I had to turn it off even as a kid. Um, but, like, I feel like it's one of, he's one of those kind of characters who almost has the same fame as, like, Pinhead to a degree, but he, his franchise is, like, non-existent. And I always think that's really weird, because, like, like, what other icons are there? There are maybe one actual movie, more or less, that, like, have that are in that kind of same ranking as, like... Well, not ranking, but, you know similarly v- viewed with like jason and michael and like pinhead and the candy man and them like, i can't think of others, yeah. really. c-list slasher yeah, and, yeah. like not even like a slasher but like a yeah i don't know what what he is um <laughs> but yeah no i he he's always been interesting to me i guess he is the kind of candy man in the sense that he has a big following and a big uh reputation but he really is only in one movie that was actually good mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, not not to, not throwing shade at the new Candyman. So I haven't seen it, so I can't say, speak for that. But the sequels were terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds good. So let's dive right into it. Uh, so if you were to sum this movie up, like what would be a general summary of this particular movie? And I don't think this will be a, too spoiler filled. Honestly, uh, it's a very basic plot. I don't think there's going to be too much we talk about in terms of detail. What about you? 
Uh, I think the one spoiler is the kind of the ending, which I think we have to spoil. Like, to me, it's one of the most interesting parts of it. Uh, but yeah, but I, I would say like the, the basic summary of the film is, um, you know, an attempt to seek revenge for his dead son. A man summons a monster to pursue a group of teens who accidentally cause him to die. Uh, and we watch as the summoned monster goes after him, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And another thing, too, that's a little bit unique about this movie is the fact that it's set in, gosh, was it like rural Texas, somewhere like that? Was it? I, I had no idea or where the it Southwest. was. the Southwest. Yeah, yeah. I, I, got a, I got a very Hills Have Eyes sort of vibe. It's either the rural Southwest somewhere, rural Texas, maybe, but that's the furthest east it gets. Uh, most of the movie takes place in either deserts or dry forests. And um, there is a very, very clear, this is rural of the rural people. Most of the characters in this movie, they distrust people from the city. They have a very simple way of life, and that's the way they like it. That sort of angle it's going for it, um, hmm. which I thought was a, you know, for the time. That, that's one thing that really drove me to this um, movie in the first place, or stuck out as relatively unique, is that setting that they were in. What I find interesting too is like a lot of these like they they, they again they can't it's, I think the how to say it, the uh, the city slickers being the bad guys isn't really a new thing by any means, uh-huh. but I thought it's interesting that like neither were the I don't know the the bumpkins can pl- played off as like super great either. It was kind of like yeah like these you know these these city guys are annoying but like were like kind of jerks too. Like you know I felt like yeah the teens were idiots and jerks but like. I feel like usually in that case, they make the heroic, you know, country person. And they didn't really do that in this movie. Yeah. Like the closest we get really is Ed or um, uh, Lance Hendrickson's character. But even he's not really like, you know, he's not a great guy <laughs> as, mm-hmm. as we see. No, he's not. But he does, you know, later on in the movie kind of do something at the detriment to himself to save those people. But that's really it. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, so what do you think? Because one thing that I, my notes were I wrote about this was like to me the thing that stood out in this movie, like, like one of the be- the best parts of this movie is the opening. Because I feel like th- if they ever remade this, like please get Keanu Reeves because I was getting kind of like some almost like uh, John Wick vibes in terms of like they they established this relationship with the son early on so well. I felt like you really kind of feel like you know I went I watched it going in knowing what was going to happen and it, and I paid attention to it more I guess as a result of that, but like the relationship between him and his son is so well established and you really kind of feel that bond and like you like the characters, you really like him as a person mm-hmm. um, and you like, you like the son and it's not too cheesy. The son's not like too cutesy, you know? Um, and I, I thought that was, I thought like the opening scene of him, like with the kid and he like is, uh, you know, making him food and like, you know, it's like I'll race you to the, to the, uh, to the door and last night to do wash, washes the dishes and he gives him a little present and stuff. And like, I felt like it just felt really natural and like, Again, like obviously, like a an eighties movie, but like I don't know that, that they did a really good job establishing these characters because we don't really get that much time with them before shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, in contrast, we very quickly establish uh, the human ca- not, not human, but you know the the city slickers, <laughs> who I feel like are almost kind of an afterthought. I feel like they're they're definitely a body count, and that's about it. Yeah, I was I was like halfway through this movie, and I was just thinking to myself, can I? say any defining characteristics about these city folk and i really couldn't there really isn't much there no that well the only the only the characteristic we have is there's the asshole the drunk asshole and his girlfriend are kind of the bad people but really just the drunk asshole and everybody else is kind of just caught caught in the middle of this 
mm-hmm. um, which was surprising for me because I like I felt like you know when we first meet so the movie you know the movie's the impetus of the, the movie what what happens the conflict uh, is that uh, this guy one of the group guys who seems kind of like an ass and like a thrill seeker um, he's drinking and driving and. Uh, for some reason, they decided to go right in their dirt bikes outside of this general store when they're literally five minutes from their freaking uh, the cabin they're going to, um, and they end up hitting um, Lance Hendrickson's son and just killing him apparently immediately. Um, and then the, the guy who hits him like flips out and leaves and like threatens the other people. Uh, but like everybody else is like really kind of concerned and like trying to do the right thing. And I thought it was really interesting how like in the movie there's nothing really like afforded to them. Like Pumpkinhead just fucking kills him indiscriminately. <laughs> Like I felt, I don't know, I think that, that always kind of sat, sat kind of weird for me because the first sympathetic character we really get is the dude, like the douche's brother, and he's like feels bad. He stays behind with Lance Hendrickson to be like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry," and he like confronts his brother when he's being an asshole, and it's like, "Yo, this is not right," and he's the first to go, and you're like, "Wow," like the moral character, the one who's like who is like the kind of the put upon person, is the first one to get got. Like, I don't know that like it, it kind of went against the formula to a degree. I feel like I don't know. Did that, did that feel awkward to you? Um, not particularly, no. I thought it was establishing as just one of those nobody is safe sort of things. Mm. Because um, Pumpkin, I mean, that is one big theme of this movie is the fact that, you know, Lance Hendrickson unleashes this pumpkin head on these people indiscriminately and then later comes to regret it. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And what, what did you think about Pumpkinhead himself? Like design wise and like creation wise, what was, what you, what was your thought? A lot of people really do praise the design of Pumpkinhead, and I kind of feel the same way a lot, I feel about a lot of the movie, and just like, yeah, it's okay. It's all right. I mean, for 1998 standard, well, I mean, thinking back to like the big, big monster designs that uh, Stan Winston did before, it was interesting, but Pumpkinhead itself, I don't particularly have any criticism for it but i don't particularly love it either um i like the idea behind it the witch was great um mm. in terms of how she could summon or summons pumpkin head and all of that but in terms of the actual actual design eh. how about you no i i, I love the design i think the design's great I, I like him i always figured he has a tail i don't know why um <laughs> but again i think you know i think he has a little alien look to him um but i, I liked him i like how he's like humanoidish um and i like how he takes on the appearance of the person who summons him like, I did like that, yes. Yeah, I thought that was great. I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, I know there's a comic book out there, and I kind of want to read the comic book. Because like, while the movies weren't great, I'm curious if the comic book does it well. Um, just in terms of, like, you know, like, I think it would be kind of like how they, they made those comics of um, Krampus when, uh, that were kind of like, you know, these little tales of, like, you know, better watch out kind of thing. Like, you know, don't do big things bad or bad things will happen to you. I would, mm-hmm. I would like to see that, you know, the themes of Pumpkinhead explored more. And I think, like, you know, one-off stories would be great. Um, so I, I do want to read the comics at some point. Um, but to me, actually, what I thought was really interesting, which I never really paid attention to before, was how he was summoned. Like, I know, you know, he got the blood from the father and the son. Um, but did you like the wish's description of what Pumpkinhead was? Uh, no, do tell. So she basically says that, like, um, people in the area, when they have a child who, like, isn't right, essentially, they say, or they're ashamed of, they bury them there. Um, which is kind of implying that people with like, you know, you know, people who have, who have like uh, disabilities or people who have like, you know, kind of interesting looking bodies, essentially, when they're born. Um, and what little I remember of Pumpkinhead 2 was that Pumpkinhead 2 
did follow a kid who was like uh, somehow had this morph in like some I forget what it, what he looked like, um, but I think it was supposed to, it was implying that he was kind of different. Um, and he died, and I think he becomes Pumpkinhead in that movie or something, kind of following mm. up this idea. But I, I never quite, like, I always kind of knew he had kind of a bulbous head to a degree and stuff, and he kind of looked like Jason does without his mask on. Um, but it was interesting to me that that's, like, what he comes from. He is basically a child who was born with a disfigurement, and uh, she, I don't know, pours her blood into its mouth, and it takes on the soul of that person. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I don't know, it, it's interesting. Because, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me, again, of Stephen King, you kind of lines of, like, people with disabilities sometimes are just more, are kind of, uh, circumstances have power, I think is a lot of the theme in his stories, um, to a degree, not a theme, but, like, something that happens often in his stories, and this yeah. kind of seemed like that to me, um, but it's interesting that, like, these are just people, essentially, like, these are just children's corpses that they're bringing back, um, essentially, like, and they, and they kind of comes back looking, having, like, a bulbous head to a degree, but, like, is that I'm curious if that has anything to do with Pumpkinhead himself or if that was just, you know, back in the day, back in 1988, like, was, you know, making a, having a disfigured baby turn into a monster be, was that like a, an acceptable thing? Was that like an okay story to go with, you know? Yeah, and I definitely could see that because, I mean, back during that era, there were, I mean, ADA was put in the 80s, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, research that real quick. The American with Disabilities Act. Uh, nineteen ninety. Yeah, so that was two years, but after this movie came out. Um, oh. So public perception of the uh, disfigured people were, yeah. Well, because I wonder yeah. too, because like, you know, with uh, they they also keep showing like, and again, is this commentary? I don't know. Is this intentional? But they have all. I kept on the dusty people in my notes, but they have all the the hicks, as you say, and we we only really see like. We see a bunch of kids, and we see a dad. We don't really see the wife, I don't think. Mm-mm. And I don't know if they're implying, like, inbreeding re- re- relating to these kids coming out wrong. That it's, it's, it's such an occurrence that they keep burying these kids there, you know? Um, I, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not I, I, I thought that was an interesting part of the story which I never really noticed before, and I wonder what the intention behind it is. Um, that really stood out to me. Again, that's why I'm interested in the comics. My guess is they probably dropped that line pretty quick. Um, but again, it, it seemed a little continued in Pumpkinhead 2, where there was a child who was, or I think he was a teen at that point, who got, like, beaten to death or stabbed to death or something. And then his body was used to summon back for revenge. But I think it was actually his body itself. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I thought that, that was just, like, a a weird quirk to the story that I never really thought about before. Yeah. Yeah, definitely interested. And I did like, going back to the monster design, I did like how throughout the movie slowly progressed um, to take on more and more characteristics of Lance Hendrickson as with the more and more kills ramped up. Um, I thought that was pretty clever, too. Yeah. And what do you think about the kills in this movie? Like, you know, I feel like a lot of these, I feel like, again, this is a movie where it's a monster movie and it's like a, it's a semi-slasher with a monster movie. Like, you know, kills are kind of important. What did you think about him in this? Did you have any ones that stood out to you? Um, I liked the one where, I guess, what was it, where he thinks his pumpkin head is dead, and he's really not, and he comes up and just kind of rams it on, uh, the spear on through, um, just because he was so cocky. I thought that was kind of cute. Um, other than that, nothing really sticks out to me. How about you? Yeah, same thing. Yeah, I thought when he got, when he got the rifle shoved through his chest, it was great. And I, I feel like that, that picture, that the thing of pumpkin head holding the, the gun for that moment, always kind of, I don't know why it sticks in my head, maybe there's an action figure of it somewhere out there. Um, but that, but also, I thought the way that um, kind of the the good brothers 
girlfriend dies. I don't know how, like, I don't remember, maybe her name was, like, Megan or something. Um, the one who, she goes out there to find her boyfriend and, like, runs around and Pumpkinhead picks her up. And this mm-hmm. is kind of where Lance Hendrickson first sees Pumpkinhead's vision. He, like, draws a cross on her head, which is interesting. Kind of, like, scratches her face, which is kind of gross. But then he, like, stands outside the window when the jerk boyfriend and his girlfriend are inside and, like, pushes her face against the window and then, like, shoves oh, yeah. it through. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that because it wasn't overly gory, but it was, like, a showing that he's just kind of taunting them. Mm-hmm. You know? And, like, I think at that point she was still alive until he pushed her through. Like, it looks like he kind of, like, broke her face a little bit, what he did. Um, but, like, I don't know. To me, like, that's, like, more of a gruesome kill to a degree because he's just kind of playing with her. And he's kind of imagining that's what he's doing. He's just scratching her with his giant weird fingers and stuff. Fucking around with them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, any other scenes really stick out for you? I think. I don't know, not, not really. I think, like, one, one thing about this movie that really stuck to me was just, I, I think I, you know, I mentioned this before, like, that all the friends are jerks and, like, not really mm-hmm. noticeable. Because, um, like you were saying, they didn't write many characteristics, but again, I don't know any of their names either. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but, and I, and I feel like that was a big, like, that was the flaw of this movie, I suppose, other than Lance Hendrickson, who, you know, great person which also did you see how ripped he was beginning this movie oh my god yes i noticed that too lance hendrickson i think maybe like after like around the time of aliens he kind of stopped aging and it was just a leather bag um and just kind of like looks the same and just takes on any movie they give him because he's great like i love him for that but in this movie he is like kind of ripped and like i'm like oh like were you like a young like good looking actor as a guy like were you like a like was he like a, a stud back in the 80s like would you say like <laughs> I, I never thought of him that way i always thought of him you know i my, my i think my first way I ever saw him was probably as bishop and i was like wow was he a stud maybe <laughs> like like was, was he going for a leading man here and this wasn't just some like bit part he was in so that that's a great scene um but yeah i just feel like all the other characters were so lame but there's that one scene uh like the really awkward scene where they go into the cabin and uh I don't even know how to describe curly haired guy and his girlfriend <laughs> are like are like yeah you should report yourself man you fucking like murdered this kid and he like ripped the the jerk guy like pulls out the uh, telephone line and is like I can't call the cops and then locks them like beats one guy with a piece of wood and then locks them in a uh, a closet when the, when mm-hmm. the when the good brother comes home and nobody after they get out is like. Yo, fuck you, man. Like, nobody, like, leaves. Like, <laughs> this guy is, like, a sociopath. Like, I, I, I get that he, like, is avoiding probation because he hit somebody else in the car or something. I don't know what happened prior, but, like, the character in this is, is just terrible, um, I feel like. And <laughs> and that guy was just, like, I thought, I, I didn't remember how it ended. I don't remember who died at first. And I was like, no fucking way this guy's going to survive. Because he survived a pretty good amount of time. He, he outlived a lot of people. Um, <laughs> and, like, that... I don't know. I, I was so angry at the prospect that he might live. <laughs> um, so I'm glad that when I remember that he got knocked down, like, oh, he's going to get the, the gun through his chest. Awesome. I thought that, yeah, that was a nice, uh, it, it, was, it was nice to watch him die. It was a, it was mm. a good feeling. Uh, gotcha. But no, but what do you think of the ending? Get yeah, into that. Yeah, full, full spoilers. Yeah, I, I like the ending a lot. I think, I like, I like this, because, you know, the, the parable of, like, in this case, like, you know, revenge is never good what's the saying about revenge other than being served cold what's what's the one about how it's a bad thing there's a, there's uh, a... life well lived is the best revenge yeah there we go yeah yeah like <laughs> like i like i liked that um i liked that you know um you know that that message that like revenge revenge destroys your you know, revenge hurts everybody involved right um how he kind of becomes consumed by it um i don't know but what, what did you think yeah i liked it too i, I like how they turned it around and 
it was very much a, you know, the monster they summoned got out of control, and now he has to sacrifice to um, save it. Um, I thought that was a great character turn for that particular character, and I like how that Lance Hendrickson was the character that they gave that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, fulfillment to, that uh, character turnaround, redemption, redemption, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that. I thought it was a good ending, I thought it ended well. Yeah, like my 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 only issue, I have, I have two issues with it. One is, it, it felt to me like, I don't think we ever got to see, like, we got to see Lance be angry for a wee bit, for a little moment, after, like, you got that little, like, when they're like, you can't save your son. You know, there's that. But we never really got him, like, super angry for super long, such that, like, I felt like his turnabout was, like, an actual change. To me, it felt, like, which I think it was going for, was, like, he was really angry, this happens, and he kind of slowly comes to realizing what's bad. But in this one, like, as soon as he sends it out and is like, oh, shit, it's going to kill them, he, like, immediately dials it back. He's like, no, 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 don't, don't want this. Give it back. Thanks, bye. Like, you know? <laughs> or, like, maybe, maybe that's also part of the story, you know? It's the idea that, like, you know, watch what you do. Like, you know, don't get, don't, don't get too hot-tempered. You know, don't, don't do something you're going to regret. Like, maybe it's not as much of a, like, cooling off from uh, revenge as it is, like, a don't make stupid decisions in the moment kind of mm-hmm. thing. Because it really didn't, yeah. like, the, it, was, it wasn't really a character arc to me as much as it was a quick misstep. Because the guy he was at the end, the guy he was trying to save them for most of the movie is the same guy you get in the beginning. There's just that very brief spike of him being angry as fuck, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I guess if they were to ever remake this, again, please make a Keanu Reeves. And make him, like, <laughs> make him enjoying the first murder, you know? Like, make him really liking it. Like, maybe, like, you know, maybe switch it around and have uh, the jerk guy get killed first or something like that. And kind of, like, you know, show Lance being like, yeah, fuck you, man. And then maybe, you know, then he kills the next person, but, like, maybe not so, like, cleanly. And then he's like, oh, fuck, this is <laughs> great. You know, like, I would like to see that more of, like, a what have I done over time after, you know, riding the high of it at first. Then this one where he kind of immediately is like, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> which, again, makes me love Lance Hendrickson. But uh, I feel like that could have been played a little bit differently. But, again, love the movie. Um, but then my other thing is the ending is the fact that he, which is cool, that he kind of turns into the pumpkin head baby at the end right mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what he pumpkin head becomes him he becomes pumpkin head and he gets all shriveled and little and has the big uh head and stuff um which again brings up the question of like what what was the how does this tie into the story of the kids who were born with, with disfigurement <laughs> uh if Lance <laughs> Hendrickson becomes him after becoming a demon like what what's what's going on here guys <laughs> what are we implying <laughs> um and, I'm, and again this might explain it in the later movies but I'm also curious like does this happen eventually all the time? Like, is this a result of him, uh, you know, killing Pumpkinhead that he immediately went shrivelly? Or, like, if you let Pumpkinhead go and do his deed, would he just kind of go and slumber after that? Like, I- I'm curious as to what happens after this. And I'm sure the comic books in the later movies probably explain that. Um, you know, I, yeah, they do. They do. Uh, for what I remember, I, w- I was looking up the plot summaries for the other movies afterwards. Uh, but yeah, it seems like they do. Um, his corpse is actually a big, big. Uh, plot point in the later movies as well oh so. okay maybe i'll have to go watch them at some point i, I don't i don't want to but i might have to <laughs> i don't want to but i have to it's it's, it's honestly <laughs> this is my burden to bear it's it's all the series it's kind of like the halloween movie though like i'm hearing bad things about it but like me too yeah I, i'm gonna go into the plot like as much as i didn't like the didn't love the first one i went i did go back and watched uh so I, i've been doing the uh 31 days of halloween thing i, I did it for the first 15 days, and then I kind of fell off the horse. Um, but one of, some of my movies I did was Halloween 1, 2, and uh, H2O. And that kind of, you know, renewed my faith in it a little bit. And, like, you know, I haven't watched 2018 again since, but, like, 
maybe it wasn't as bad. Maybe things going for it. So like, I'm gonna go with, with a positive, hopeful attitude. Um, you know, I give it fair due, but mm-hmm. it seems like a big hack and slash to me, uh, which doesn't sound great. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't really have much else to say on Pumpkinhead. I personally thought it was a very... It, it was, like I keep saying, it's comfort food, Halloween slasher. You could definitely come up with worse Halloween movies. And I see why there's a little bit of a cult following for this particular movie. But for me, it just really didn't do it for me. How about you? How dare you? No, I, 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 was, <laughs> I was really happy. Like, I, I don't know if it's just this era and I watched this movie. But to me, this is this movie just like makes me feel good i don't it's i don't know i think it's that perfect era of like the kind of horror movie i want to watch around this time of year like i, I don't know if it, what it was like with you but like i think it was sunday we had like this beautiful fall weather and it was like that, that smell of like leaves and like some burns fire somewhere i don't know and like this just feels like that same way to me like it, it's that very <laughs> like it's the perfect thing to watch around this time of year um you know like, again love malignant it was it was a fun movie but it was you know so much high production value kind of different different feeling this oh, yeah. to, this to me is like that like you know like you said the comfort food it's that like nice kind of laid back film like I love to just like sit back and eat pizza and watch this movie uh, you know um yeah I don't know. I, I I would say like if you haven't seen it I'd say it's definitely worth seeing uh, just for definitely I don't know the cultural or maybe lack of cultural I, I can't tell what, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where this movie fits in terms of cultural sight guys people love it I feel like it's a movie that even if you haven't seen you at least have heard the name and maybe laughed at it mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, definitely. It's it's very there's a dedicated cult following for sure. What do you think about the name Pumpkinhead? By the way, I love it. Yeah, I think it's a great horror movie slasher name. Mm-hmm. I know, every time How I watch you? it, I always think like I always forget what his face looks like, and I'm always like, "Oh, his head's a pumpkin." <laughs> Wait a second. I, I think Robot Chicken or South Park should definitely have. They have not yet made some like you know the the great pumpkin Charlie Brown with Pumpkinhead. Like <laughs> if that hasn't happened, it needs to and. Do you think that this would, this would do good for a remake? I, I was thinking about it as I was watching it. I feel like it would be great, other than Keanu Reeves. I feel oh, like, definitely. I feel like he's a character who, like, could be bought, brought back. And just kind of like Candyman, like, you know, he has a following to a degree, but he's not so defined in our culture that you're like, oh, this movie ruined Pumpkinhead for me, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they could do some really cool things, especially with modern effects. Like, I would love to see him scrabbling around a little bit. Like, I feel like they almost did that with the uh, Leprechaun origins remake movie they did a while ago where he felt very pumpkin headish um i would i would love to see a remake of this i think that like they should go like instead of trying to keep remaking the next uh halloween or you know any of those i think i think they should do this that this is my property of choice to remake agreed yeah i i think this would be good in terms of like a leprechaun or maybe child's play level remake um they could do something a little bit more interesting so and actually, honestly, like a Midnight Mass, like you know, like a, a six or seven episode miniseries on a Pumpkinhead would be pretty cool. Because again, like, I, I think because he ties into the to the town, he ties into the person who summons him. Like it could be a whole thing about Pumpkinhead killing people, and not knowing who did it or why they did it. Mm-hmm. That could be like a really cool miniseries. I'm not. I would love that. Um, yeah, and then you can maybe like say it's. You know, well, once Pumpkin Pet has gotten his revenge, then another person asks the revenge. Maybe the person who survives at the very end summons Pumpkinhead to get revenge on the original person. It's just a whole Pumpkinhead back and forth sort of thing. Yeah, and heck, honestly, if they want get get the people from um, Fear Street to do it, that you know, it's a similar kind of idea, revenge and stuff over time. And again, they can yeah. show it throughout the generation that they want to. And because his name's Pumpkinhead, like, you know, it could be a little kid friendly if you want to be, because like it has a fucking name Pumpkin. Like, I get it. I don't think Pumpkinhead I think it's intentionally not super gory in a way to make it kind of kid friendly, like kinda like Gremlins is. 
I think it's mm-hmm. it's meant to be like one that you could maybe throw in through, like maybe not your kid kids, but you know, it's it's not like it's not super gory. It's we're not watching Saw here, um, but yeah, I don't know. A- any final thoughts yeah. on this guy? Not really. Now I think I've summed it up. Good. All right. Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, I do have one more thing that I forgot to mention in terms of horror news. Uh, do you hear that the sure. uh, Friday the Thirteenth? Argument settled. The uh, the court case of that is all settled out now. I saw. Yeah. So we may actually finally get to update the Friday the Thirteenth game now that Dead by Daylight has surpassed it immediately. Hell yeah! Dead by Daylight's amazing. <laughs> uh, though it's interesting because Sean S. Cunningham didn't win the character. Did you, the other guy won. Uh, I forget what his name is. Um, but I thought that was interesting. I'm not surprised. Um, but it is kind of weird because I think the argument was that it was a work for hire, which meant that it was still underneath whoever you know. I, was it New Line? No, New Line. It wasn't New Line. Uh, Miramax? I can't remember who owned uh, them mm-hmm. originally. Uh, I don't remember either. But, like, it is kind of interesting that in this case, the person who's worked for hire got rights to the character. And again, a character who, like, <clears throat> um, he is in that movie that he wrote wasn't really, like, a character. Right? Like, like Jason wasn't Jason as we know him in the first Friday the 13th, right? It was the mom. No, it was his mother, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I guess what they can do is they can, I think they sold the rights to make Friday the 13th movies if they wanted to. Um, they just couldn't use the name Jason. I think it could just be some other guy who, like, killed people, but he lose the origin story. Like, mm-hmm. the thing that, that is weird to me about this story is I feel like the guy just wants the money. I don't think, like, this guy's not going to go and make another fucking Jason movie. This guy does, this guy, Yeah, I kind of got that impression, too. He's just going to be like, yo, buy it off me. <laughs> and, like, maybe I'll buy it and do it again in the future. Um, mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about the story is that uh, the lawyer who won this case is apparently now going to be the lawyer for the Disney properties or the uh, Marvel properties that are being uh, adjudicated. So interesting. That's interesting. Like the same thing. But again, I think a lot of those are work for a hire. Like I know there's that big, there's that issue that came up a while ago with the secret wars guy and Marvel went with the guy who wrote secret wars and was like, Hey, uh, do you want, here's a check for like $10,000 or whatever, you know, like, just, you know, for your story and whatnot. Because, you know, like your contribution. We just want to make sure that we own this. And he was like, it doesn't work for hire. You fucking already own it. What are you talking about? Like, I don't, I, don't, I can't remember in, in the article if it said he took the money or not. But he's literally like, you got it. No, it was, you own this. I, I made the characters. Yeah, but you paid me for it. So it's your characters. Like, um, and I think that's what a lot of these characters are as well. Um, but I don't know. I, I, it's it always weird. It's Obviously, you know, there's the idea of the corporation, these big corporations having money and, and like, you know, just wanting these characters for themselves and making money off them. But I feel like the the value that Marvel Studios has created in these characters is independent, almost, I think, divorced from the characters that were created back then. I feel like with what they've done with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and stuff. And it feels like these people are just kind of cashing on that. They're like, because they're not, this person doesn't want Spider-Man so they can have Spider-Man. They want Spider-Man so they can sell them back to you. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, this person's not going to get Spider-Man going through a movie. They're like the the sons and daughters of these people who create these characters. They don't have any role in that. Like, I'm I'm curious to see how these turn out. Yeah, it's kind of a Christopher Tolkien sort of situation going on. Oh yeah, 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 very similar. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, so well, thank you so much for listening. Once again, this has been Permanent Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. Thank you so much to our opening theme song. That is Teddy's Atlas with the saying, uh, with the uh, the band Teddy's Atlas with the song <laughs> uh, Horror Movie Story. You can get them off the album Children of the Corn. They're good, good Canadian boys. Andrew, what is our next movie? Uh, I think the next movie is going to be Halloween Kills. Absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and try and watch that tonight or tomorrow. We're going to try and record by the end of the week. So uh, hopefully that'll be up to you real soon. Yeah, yeah. All right, all. Thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Stay groovy. Bye.